it's really hard to walk someone you love through that when they're like, why can't I get a job that I like? Why is this such a struggle for so many people? Part of the reason is that we think if I'm called to something, it means it's going to be fun and easy in this dream job. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately not necessarily the case. Kind of sucks. <laughs> right, but right. I think it's also helpful if you're kind of stuck in that place that that's not useless. You can still have a calling if you're in a job that you don't like. There's still right. purpose in that. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hey, hey, welcome back to Real Talk. It's season five, episode three. I am Kara with Anson and Isaac. Hello. Glad to have you with us again today. Real Talk is a show where we get real about everything from current events to culture to faith. And today we are getting real about calling mm. that thing that you panic about a lot when you're in college. And <laughs> or maybe now. Or maybe still. Just in general. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The overwhelming. What am I supposed to do with my life? How am I supposed to like figure out what God wants me to do? It's just this overwhelming, huge thing that I think we all deal with. Probably multiple times in our life, but especially kind of in the age of like young adulthood when you're making a lot of these big decisions about career and family and where you're going to live and all these things. And that's kind of where we're all at in life right now. So we thought, hey, let's talk about this practically. What does this look like? How do you get through this if you're struggling? How do you seek direction. Is there this magical, God has this specific plan for your life and you have to find it. Good luck. I mean, you've been told that before, right? Oh yeah. Somebody's told you that. Oh, for sure. I think when you're in college, you hear people say, you know, God has a plan for your life. And I'm not saying that's wrong, right? but I'm just saying sometimes you hear that and you're like, well, should I know what it is? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I don't know what it is. Exactly. There's a little bit of pressure there. God is being very coy about his plan. (laughs) You're going to tell me today? I don't know. know. (laughs) So that's what we're talking about today on Real Talk. Doing something a little bit different on Real Life Boss Level for this week. Initially, my Real Life Boss Level for the week was going to be not getting enough sleep. Because oh, okay. I've been dealing with some sleep deprivation <laughs> in my yeah. life. Yeah, you have. And I've got to say, some of it is circumstantial. There's things going on in my world right now that affect my ability to sleep. Like having a baby is probably at the top of the list. Yeah. This week, I've had a bunch of sick family members. But as I started to think about this a little more, I was like, yeah, I think the real life boss level that I'm really facing here is not not getting enough sleep. It's not taking sleep seriously. And I think this is very different. I think I could kind of do this braggy thing about, no, I'm not getting enough sleep. You know, it's really tough out there right now. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like in some ways we kind of like to brag about the fact that we aren't always getting enough sleep. It makes us seem busy. Maybe it even gives people an excuse for like, if we're not always on top of our game or something, yeah. we kind of have a fallback. Right. The circumstantial stuff happens. Yeah. Sometimes you have a sick kid. You don't sleep all night. Right. Some people deal with insomnia. Some people, yeah. I mean, there's lots of reasons why you might not be getting as much sleep as you're trying to get. And that's yeah. a real problem. But potentially more problematic is not taking sleep seriously. This is something that I think I've struggled with for a long time because one, I don't really find sleep that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of weird to say. Which my, I don't understand. My at wife all and I have record. this discussion a lot. Yeah. yeah, she's like, "How could you not love 
sleeping. Amen. It's yeah. like the best thing in the world. And I, I'm like, it's kind of boring. Yeah, no, it's, it's I, not. I hate this. I'm with you on stuff. that. Yeah. You feel me? Okay. Yeah. Like there's other stuff I could be doing. I think part of it is being a night owl. I think the deeper part of this is we almost take pride in this like, I only sleep six hours. Right. And I'm I proud only of need it. this many yeah. hours. Yeah. I don't need yeah. that many hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm like, the Actually, fact is, and I did some reading this week, the science says that if you think that you're wrong. Right. Really. Basically. Like, I mean, I know <laughs> yeah. people claim like everybody's different. I only need five. I only need six. Mm. That's wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you need right. more than that. Yeah. You might be able to get by. Right. With less, but that's not the same thing as thriving, sleeping not, yeah. the optimal amount of <laughs> it's not, time. It's not the same as functioning at your best. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think sometimes we just don't realize what a lack of sleep actually does to us. Yeah. yeah. It affects your immune system. You're more susceptible to sickness and disease, not just like short term, like getting a cold or something like that, but long term as well. Yeah. It increases your risk for chronic conditions like diabetes, heart disease, mm. uh, respiratory problems. Sleepiness causes more accidents. The 1979 nuclear accident at Three Mile Island was partially attributed to sleep <gasps> deprivation. Yeah. I mean, some like really big things have happened because of sleep deprivation. It dumbs you down. You can't think as well. Yeah. I will say the one thing I think that has helped me lately with the circumstantial stuff about not getting enough sleep is I've started to realize this. Oh. Because circumstantially, I have other things that are not allowing me to sleep right now. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I go, Oh my goodness. Yeah. This is what it's like when I'm not getting enough sleep. Right. And I think sometimes you don't really understand the effects of sleep deprivation until you're really experiencing them in a pretty powerful way. Yeah. And all of a sudden you go, okay, this is a big deal. This is really affecting me. I've done the thing where I've worked like three or four jobs at the same time before at one point. And that usually led to around three, four hours of sleep on average for like a stretch of, I don't want to over-exaggerate, probably like two, three months-ish, like for a really busy season. There was a time where I literally was in my kitchen and I like nodded off standing up for a second. No, I went, oh, okay, okay. Just like a that's really, bad. really bad. I'm like, yeah, that's not good. This needs no. to stop. You're tired, but you're mad that you're tired because you want to be doing more, and it's yeah. just not good at all. Yeah. yeah. So in college is when I really experienced that because yeah. all the projects and all the papers. One night I stayed up, and this is going to sound braggy, which it's not. It was just stupid on my part. I stayed up and read in one night A.W. Tozer, Knowledge of the Holy, and wrote the paper that night. <laughs> nice. Stupid, stupidest thing I've ever done. So literally no sleep, and it had been in a week where I had had a couple of nights of maybe like one hour of sleep or something. And I remember going to my RD, it was an RA at the time, and her being like, okay, I want you to call work and cancel. I want you to go home and take a nap right now. Like she's like, I want you to promise me you're going to go home and take a nap. And I'm like, well, I don't have time. She's like, no, you need to go take a nap right now. I was like, okay, I guess I am under no illusions about what happens to me when I don't sleep. I feel it instantly. Like I cannot function well without a good amount of sleep. And when I don't get it, I notice. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't even do life right now. Okay. But I feel like Sleeping in is almost used as a stand-in for or as a representative of laziness. Yeah, for I, sure. Yeah. If it's past eight, nine o'clock. Right. T- I mean, if you sleep in past 10 o'clock, like, right, you're, what yeah. are you, like a teenager? Like, yeah. right. I don't know. Like, there's yeah. kind of this stigma attached to sleeping in yeah, is, where people yeah. are like, you're a lazy bum and you need to do something with your life. Right. Every schedule is different, though. So, like, I will wake up early every day, like, including on the weekends. But I also go to bed way earlier than my I, wife does. Yeah. She will go to bed at like midnight or 1 a.m. and then sleep until like 
nine or on the weekends like 10 and mm-hmm. that's okay yeah. like there's not one schedule that we all follow so right if you've had a crazy week you might need 11 oh, hours man. of sleep See, and like, maybe that's what it is for me is like i feel like there's a little bit more of a stigma with sleeping in and going to bed early for some oh. reason i don't know yeah. maybe i just imagine yeah. that i think you're right because somehow it seems in our heads like going to bed early is more that's responsible. responsible yeah yes whereas really it's just shifting the hours right where, where you're sleeping i still so. think there's a part of our brain that's working off of that agriculture cultural calendar where it's like yeah. you gotta wake up early for the harvest yeah. and yeah. we're like we none of us do that you can sleep until 10 it's you okay yeah. See, like my schedule is very much like backed up right yeah because yes. of my job and things i don't get home until relatively late and yeah. Yeah. so everything is kind of shifted backwards yeah. and so i usually don't go to bed until 11 30 midnight and yeah. that's when i go to bed on time for yeah. sure, right yeah. and sometimes i don't go to bed till later than that but there's this i don't know there's this guilt associated with that yeah. for me where I'm like, I don't know, I probably need to be getting up earlier. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm in my thirties. I don't need as much sleep as when I was in college. Or no, like, I do. make all these things up in my mind. <laughs> right. of like, yeah. Why all of that is bad. Yeah. Even though everything I read about it is like, nope, this is really important and good. Yeah. yeah. I feel like a lot of people struggle with guilt about sleep, about getting the sleep that they need. That is a thing, whether it's sleeping in or just, I'm sure a lot of young moms and dads struggle with this. Like, well, my kids need me. I need to mm-hmm. clean yeah. the house. I have all these responsibilities. Right. Sleep is a luxury. And that is simply not true. Yeah. Like, yes, there's going to be seasons where you can't get as much, but you need to take it where you can. You need it. It's not a luxury. Yeah. And I think that's really helpful to hear, whether you're needing to sleep in or needing to take a nap or whatever. Yeah. Like your body needs that. God made you to be like, OK, I'm done. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end yep. of a day. Now it's time for search history. And you guys, I'm so excited about this one. This is where you have to decipher some no context search history from one of our pasts. And it's my turn this week to awesome. give you mine. Honestly, if there was one person that I was really looking forward to hearing <laughs> oh, their yeah. search history, <laughs> yep. it's not me. It's not you. It's Isaac. Oh, totally. I mean, Isaac's got to have. You know I, he's going to have the best one. I have no idea, but he, he just, yeah. he's got to have the most interesting search it's, history of anybody true. in this room. Yeah. I didn't realize that I was on deck for this one. So this oh. was a recent search history oh. of Okay. This is exactly what I pecked into Google. Okay. Woolly mammoth meat dogs. What? (laughs) Wow. Woolly mammoth meat dogs. Yes. Okay. Man. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Tara, you want to take a shot of this or you want me to start? I think you should start. I'm still wrapping my head around it. Woolly mammoth meat dogs. Well, first off, it sounds like a really sketchy item at a concession stand at a base (laughs) at a minor league baseball game. The Tulsa Woolly Mammoth. That's yeah. right. Woolly Come Mammoth you a dog. Meat dog. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. At the baseball game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hmm. Gosh. I mean, honestly, the first thing that I think about is I know that your wife, Isaac, is vegetarian. Yes. And I know you're like kind of vegetarian. <laughs> Vegetarian, vegetarian through laziness. It's she cooks and she right. cooks vegetarian. She cooks veggies. Yeah. And so. You, you eat, eat lots veggies. of veggies, yeah, but there. you do occasionally eat meat, right? Yeah, I participate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like meat? Oh, for sure. Okay, yeah. you simply must. Do you at times go through like meat withdrawals? <laughs> like, are you like, are you like, it's been like a week of only veggies? I gotta go get me a hamburger, or uh, maybe when it gets really bad. A woolly <laughs> mammoth meat dog. Meat dog. <laughs> it's like you're implying that I go so long that I forget what meat is available, and then I like just search for like the first animal I think it of. Just and sounds like can the, I eat? Like if you were going to eat like 
like I don't know, like manly meat, like yeah. holy mammoth, mammoth meat dog. Yeah, sounds the, about as like meaty as you can get. You know how there's all these like trendy diets of like what? Yeah. Pale, like I feel like this would be the caveman. Like yeah. I only eat saber tooth tigers. Well, that's a good point. Woolly Free mammoths range. are extinct, right? So yeah. So that maybe if you were feeling guilty about eating meat. You're oh. like, if I ate a woolly mammoth, they're already dead. There, there'd be no like, <laughs> so no guilt. Ecologically, no guilt. you know, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. No harm, no foul. Right. Yeah. I don't know how practically that would play out oh eating an extinct goodness. animal that doesn't well, exist. I'm more of the work harder, not smarter <laughs> yeah. type. So listen, there's no no limit to what I'll I can do. Figure it out. I feel yeah. like woolly mammoth meat would be very gamey. Yeah. Like, like very, tough. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. You probably have to like. <laughs> Slow cook it, you know. In my experience, there is nothing that Sweet Baby Ray's cannot like well, bring back to light. Like, there's, you know, there's that can rectify it. That is I, I mean, awesome. I can totally picture Isaac with like uh-huh. the red and white checkered napkin, like stuffed yeah. in his yeah. shirt, sitting <laughs> yeah. at a barbecue restaurant, just dousing his woolly mammoth meat dog yeah. and some sauce, and you know, going to town. Going so. to oh man, okay. I don't know how to put these together, but the first thing I thought of when you said Wooly Mammoth was Ice Age, like the movies. Right. Ice Age. Oh, yeah. I don't know how those two things go together. Are you sitting on your what couch. What was that guy's name? The what was Wooly Manny. Mammoth's name. Manny. 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 Oh, okay. yeah. Poor yeah. Manny. So maybe you're how did I know that? I'm over here with three children. That's amazing. They literally own all five Ice Age movies that I've seen. They're on TV all the time, and I can't remember his name. And you're like, oh, it's Manny. Manny. That's the part of my brain that kicked algebra out and said, you remember Ice Age facts. Oh, it's awesome. I don't know. So maybe did Manny end up as a meat dog? Or, oh, no, that's sad. <laughs> oh, okay, no, sorry. I was thinking Isaac sitting on his couch watching like, can I No, that doesn't yeah, but make Where sense. does meat dog why come would you, into it? Well, I was going to say sitting on his couch eating meat dog watching uh, Manny the Woolly Mammoth. But why would you Google that? That doesn't make sense. Maybe so. he was just and really we're operating while under, he was watching Ice Age. Yeah. <laughs> we're operating under that. We're calling them meat dogs and not hot dogs the way that they're right. supposed to. So, so why would it be meat <laughs> why dogs? Why would right? that be a thing? Yeah. All right. So we got to take a different direction then here so i've been thinking about dogs in terms of yeah hot dogs oh what if it's an actual literal dog mm. oh, instead man. like uh, alternate meanings of these words i mean woolly mammoth is pretty straightforward but woolly right. mammoth is a woolly mammoth meat the, uh, i also don't really know how you go with dogs is that how Are woolly do- mammoths the became dogs? extinct they the were dogs eaten by eat dogs <laughs> or do the woolly mammoths eat the dogs oh man <laughs> Maybe he misspelled the word meat and it's actually supposed to be (laughs) M-E-E-T. So it's like woolly mammoth's meat dog. It's like this weird Ice Age dating site. Oh, Oh, no. Come on. No. Too far. We're starting a new animal. Well, I mean, in Ice Age, they had this weird family of several different species. That's true. They had the tiger and the Is Ice Age a metaphor for blended families? Oh, who knew? My mind is blown. And that's that's what, see, you were watching Ice Age and you were like, wow, could different animals actually coexist in a pack? Like, what if woolly mammoths met dogs? I am also known to like misspell words that way, like <laughs> totally so butcher nice. it. Yeah, it's so, a possibility. Uh, yeah, I'm out. That's all I got. Man. I was gonna say, can you give us a hint? You are correct in separating out the words independently. So, okay. woolly mammoth obviously is one. Meat obviously is not necessarily related to dogs. It is related to woolly mammoths. Oh, and dogs meat. So, meat and is dogs. correct. I can tell you that the spelling of it. <laughs> 
You must have been listening to a podcast. Yes. The first thing that popped into my mind was like watching a documentary, but you could have a documentary, documentary type like podcast or something where they're discussing. You're back very, in, very close. Back in the day. Yeah. yeah so, it's like, like a nature documentary podcast, maybe that yes. you're listening to something along those lines. So I'll pull the curtains back. Okay. Right. This okay. is a podcast talking about the weirdest things from history that we shouldn't have, but were somehow preserved. Okay. Oh. So these explorers way back in the day found some woolly mammoths just frozen arctic like they were frozen and they were preserved perfectly okay. wow. but initially they were terrified to try the meat so what they did was is they, they fed, fed it, it to, to their, their sled dogs, dogs. <laughs> here's the wild thing once they found out that it was edible like once i guess the dogs didn't die oh right, wow these yeah. guys served woolly mammoth at the 47th annual explorers club in 1951 <laughs> what explorers club i know it sounds so cool <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, like an up where it's like this like prestigious adventurers out there. Yeah, like Explorers Club. Oh my gosh. Um, On the menu that night, they had (laughs) green turtle soup, bison steaks, cheese straws. I don't know what that would be. That's historical. They just taste And morsels of 250,000 year old woolly mammoth meat. Oh my gosh. That would be like the swaggiest thing ever. Oh yeah. my gosh. Like, could you stroll imagine? into the Explorers Club. In your like, suit. Yeah. Yo, guess what I brought today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently like back in the day, it was a weird flex to be like, yeah, I've eaten that. That's dumb. So people have been weird forever <laughs> and we will eat whatever is possible. Would you try woolly mammoth if you had I the opportunity? I would 100% try woolly mammoth. I was going to say I yeah. would too. I would probably try it if it was cooked the right I don't really way. have anything to compare it to. Yeah. I have eaten like bison and stuff. And yeah. It's probably kind of yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet. It's yeah. pretty yeah. good. So, yeah. <laughs> Might feed it to my dog first. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It is my turn to tackle the tier list this week. Now, uh, previously, we've ranked candy colors. That was Anson last week and mm-hmm. uh, sparkling water, I yes. think, the week before. So I was told, hey, try to do something that's not food related, which is very difficult for me. So I'd like you to know <laughs> the struggle I have been through. Yeah, I think I kind of took the low hanging fruit there. <laughs> yeah. You did, but yeah. it's OK. I've come up with a good one. So my tier list today is candles Ooh. because it's fall. Fall is the time to break out all the candles, my okay. friends. I almost went and bought a new one last week just because like I was a Friday night and I was like what am I going to do with my Friday night and I was like buy a candle. I should buy a new candle That's and incredible. light it yes that is you are living life how, well. crazy. how nerdy I am so we're going to start at the bottom the bottom tier is called it's natural in quotes or the container is probably compensating for something <laughs> so. it's natural okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to say it's a blanket statement I don't have any specific brands for this one any natural candle I've ever smelled that's like it's all soy and it has no anything uh, in it. Always smells terrible. At least whoa. in my experience. I know those are strong words. So if you have a different one that you've experienced that you love, let me know. But most of the time I smell them and I'm like, gross. I actually can give a differing opinion on this one. Okay. I have smelled some incredibly fire soy candles before. They're like <laughs> what? they're like wood or leather okay. scented. You like okay. uttered the sentence, I have smelled incredibly fire soy candles <laughs> yeah. before. And yeah. I'm still kind of like yeah, no, trying to wrap my head around so that good. Over here. Please they, continue. Okay. They're like okay. usually kind of like an earthier right. smell. That's almost exclusively what Brie buys. So okay. I have like a leaning towards that anyway. Okay, sorry. But all of the ones that I've smelled have been good. So maybe really? she's just picking the crop that are that could be. only mm. bearable. Well, but. also, I don't like the earthy smells as much okay. sometimes. Right. They make me a little sick. 
So okay. maybe that's part See, of it. I think I would probably, I'm not a candle expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like I would come down on your side yeah. on this one, Kara. I'm not as cultured as you guys. We'll just say that. How's I do that? rub leather on my skin yeah, okay. every night to get that earthy smell <laughs> on my body. So that's, that's, that's just why he likes those candles. Yeah. 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 smell like smells mahogany. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the next tier up is surprisingly decent when you need to cover up a bad smell on the cheeks. That is an important category. It is an important category. (laughs) And I have sitting in front of me, Exhibit A, this candle you can buy at Walmart. It is Mainstay's brand. It is hazelnut cream. Mm. And it's like $5 maybe. I don't know if it's $5 for this big one, but it's real cheap. That is unusual for a big old candle. Smell this. Smell smell said candle. Give that a nose gander. Hazelnut cream. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What what notes are you detecting in that? I'm so unsophisticated. I'm uh, Anson I'm, is licking the candle right now. Yeah, right. Take a little nibble of this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm getting some hazelnut. Yeah. Cream. <laughs> <laughs> that is the label. Ooh, yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm smelling. Okay. No, yeah. it does smell. My wife's favorite coffee drink is like hazelnut. Uh-huh. Like she likes yeah. hazelnut in yeah. her coffee. So it yeah. very much reminds me one. of her coffee. Okay. I'm going to paint you a picture here. Okay. This smells like it is Thanksgiving morning <gasps> and cinnamon rolls have oh. just come out of the oh. oven. Oh. Now I like it even more. The temperature outside is 62.4 degrees. Exactly. Oh, right. It should be. <laughs> I love about candles. That's a good smelling candle. I was burning it yesterday and I had this moment where I was like, it smells like a donut shop in here, yeah. which was amazing. Yeah, it's a good candle. Yeah. So that's the yeah surprisingly decent when you need to cover up a bad smell on the cheap. Next category is really nice, but maybe slightly overpriced. And this one we have Yankees. If you don't get them on sale, I'll put that little asterisk uh, there. Mm. If you buy a Yankees full price, dang. How much like, do they cost? Too much. $25 maybe for a big one? Maybe not. Maybe okay, that's, that's a little a lot much. for a candle. It's yeah. a lot. Like we went to France in the summer and we went into the Yankee store yeah, at the outlet. In the, yes. And they we thought... The big one? Like yeah. The big one? I mean, the big... So it's like a firework, but a yeah. candle. No, it's, it's the size of me curled up right. into a ball. It's and, amazing. Yeah. We walked in and we were like, yeah, it's like wall-to-wall candles. Yeah. But we expected them to be cheap and they were like normal price. And we were like, oh, Oops. this is dumb because we always buy them at Christmas on like yeah. sale. Well, you so, go in there and you're like, oh, I need to get like several different kinds and then you buy like four candles and it's like a hundred dollars exactly but they're still good and i will say the yankees burn a long time so that is a good plus for them if you're gonna go with the yankees you cannot go wrong with christmas cookie that's Christmas kind of cookie. Our Christmas go-tos. Yes. Cookie. You can find them on sale after Christmas for a really decent price. Christmas cookie sounds promising. Yeah, that it's does a sound good one. Again, do you ever have the urge to eat a candle? Yes. <laughs> Is that not, weird? Not to actually. <laughs> ever... Yes. Some of them smell Isaac, so good Isaac you can eat that's them. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's weird. A lot of them smell so good you could eat them. I don't ever actually want to eat them, but they smell that good. <laughs> I am legit worried, Isaac, about a candle called Christmas cookie. Yeah. In my living room. <laughs> I thought you were going like, do you ever get hungry because of the smell? But you never actually want to eat the like, candle. You just want to like, eat them. <laughs> Does it smell like a snickerdoodle or something? Like what? what um, kind of, kind of. What are I don't, talking about here? I don't know. It's more, it's probably more of a, like a vanilla-y scent than it is snickerdoodle, okay. but it's still a unique scent. It's a good one. Interesting. Yeah. That would be my concern. If I smelled something Fair. that smelled edible, I would be tempted. Well, there's more to coming. Eat the candle, and I feel like that's probably bad for it's you. It's a bad thing. Yeah. There's more coming in that category. Okay. One other candle in this category that is nice but slightly overpriced is a wood wick candles. These are what cool. They have a wood wick. Mm-hmm. When they burn, they sound like a fireplace crackling. Like they oh, actually crackle. Okay. Yeah, I've seen yeah. these. And they're pretty fun. I don't really buy them because they're really expensive. Yeah. But when you have them, it's kind of fun because you're like, look, I have a fireplace. No, oh, it's just a candle. <laughs> yeah. So that's fun. And then the top tier is I'm pretty sure heaven will smell like this. 
Most of my favorite candles come from White Barn, which is the Bath and Body Works brand of oh, candles. Okay. I'm telling you, there's some favorites that I go back to again and again. Leaves is a really good one for fall. Leaves. Um, leaves. Uh, I'm kind of surprised by that one. No, it does not smell like. Sounds kind of actual, earthy there, Chief. No, it's not earthy. It's got like cinnamony and oh. it's all the fall. Is it kind of a misnomer then of a name? Like, is it just, it's just to, is it the name just mean like, hey, this is for fall? Yes. Like, okay. Yes, that's yeah. all it means. Because my thought it was basically like burning a leaf pile. <laughs> it does not like, smell like I'm burning not a leaf sure pile. That no, it's, do it for me. But. It smells like all the goodness of fall put into a candle okay. and get all gotcha. nostalgic and stuff. Okay. So that's one of the, one of my favorites. Also, also, pumpkin pecan waffles in the category Whoa. of oh, what now pumpkin pecan waffles. Pumpkin that name's doing a lot. That is a combo. Waffles, yeah, that goes in the category. Do you like of, pump, so you like pumpkin scented stuff? Okay, not all by itself, but you put it together with other stuff. It's good. Okay. I have this other one in front of me that's not Bath and Body. It's a Kohl's like Sonoma brand vanilla pumpkin latte. Pass, pass that one down, homie. It's uh huh. And every time I like that, it's been in my office. People walk in there like, oh, oh my man. gosh, that does smell good. So I mean, because I know that. Historically, you've been like a pumpkin spice latte critic. I have and stuff, so I wasn't I, sure how you felt about the pumpkin because mm. the taste is always disappointing to me of pumpkin spice latte. So again, but, we come back to if you don't eat the candle, yeah, it's probably going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be fine. Yes. Sorry, I'm not so, sure why I'm stuck on that. It's okay. <laughs> Heaven's going to smell like some sort of white barn candle. I like the image story. of going up to heaven and God is up there like <laughs> with a Bic lighter. Just like, hang on a second. <laughs> Light this up. Lighting all these candles and you're like, okay, weird. Hanson, <laughs> stop eating, man. <laughs> stop for eating. <laughs> time for the conversation today. We're talking about calling or in other words, what the heck am I supposed to do with my life? Mm. And this is something that I think is on a lot of our minds, especially this season of young adulthood. There's so many things that feel like these huge life decisions that we're supposed to make. Right now, my husband and I have been talking a lot about this. He's been thinking about what do I really want to do? What's my career look like moving forward? And so we've been having a lot of conversations around what does this even look like? Do I go back to school? Do I shift in this direction? How do you find what you're supposed to do? Mm. And how does this direction come? And it's been a really interesting conversation because I feel like I've had one experience with that and it's not the same as a lot of people's experience. Mm. It's a really interesting conversation. I remember panicking a lot about this during college, especially. And right after, like, I'd be on the phone with my mom, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to do this major. And what if I'm not supposed to? I don't know if it's making enough of a difference. And I just don't know what I'm going to do with my <laughs> yeah. life. And oh, my goodness, it was overwhelming. And if yeah. I didn't make the right decision, my whole life was going to be messed up. Right. Totally. Yeah. yeah. There's plenty of opportunities to panic about this at all stages <laughs> of life. But I do feel like college is kind of a unique yeah. time where yes. it's maybe at its most intense. I think so. Because I think one of the things that at least as it relates to career that feels really overwhelming is during college, you feel like every option in the world is open to you. Yes. Yeah. And the truth is actually not exactly that. Like not every option in the world is really as open to you as it might seem. Yeah. yeah. But it feels that way. Like I could choose any major, any career it's field, any decision paralysis. Right. And mm -hmm. there's so many, so there many are. options. It just feels overwhelming and you feel like you don't have yeah. a lot of direction. And I think that just heightens the feeling of panic that can start to build sure. up. Yeah, exactly. We do have more opportunities and more open avenues available to us than maybe previous generations. Yeah, and so that increases sure. the decision fatigue. It's good that we have more opportunities, but now we have more to choose from and it can be super overwhelming. Yeah. So yeah, what's your guys' experience been with this? 
I definitely had this a little bit in college, especially going into it. I switched my major once, which is not as many as a lot of people did, (laughs) but I did switch one time. And, you know, the thing that I think helped me was I found a job while I was in school that was kind of in the avenue that I was exploring and was like, wow, I really like this and I kind of want to just keep doing this. And so that narrowed down all of those options really, really quickly for me, Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of other people got to that point of graduation without that already in place and felt a lot more panicky about getting to that point at the end. And I mean, I, I kind of walked something out like that similar. I was an intern at this very radio station yeah. since my freshman year of college. Yeah. And this was always kind of the goal to work towards for me. So I always had this kind of, okay, I want to work here. But if that doesn't happen, uh, like it was kind of just a like, <laughs> I guess I'll go move somewhere and like make <laughs> coffee something. or yeah. something. Was I don't know. Plan B. <laughs> um, I have been able to supplement this sort of like desire for variety mm-hmm. by working this current job and then exploring other areas just in my free time as side jobs yes. and stuff. Yeah. The desire to change my routine has always been there. And I don't know mm. that it's ever going to go away. Mm-hmm. But I think that I've been trying to supplement that need to blow things up and do something new yeah. by just exploring different hobbies. But kind of like Anson, I kind of knew what my goal was. But I know that that's in the very strong minority. That's yeah. not what normally happens for people. Yeah. I kind of had a little bit of that. Like for a while, I kind of knew what my goal was. I came to this school specifically for broadcasting. But then I went through this season of doubt where I was like, eh, is this really what I'm supposed to do? Mm -hmm. Even like after I graduated, I went for like a year without a job. Mm -hmm. And that was really tough. All of a sudden I was like, okay, am I supposed to do this? I don't have a job. Second guessing what once maybe seemed certain. Exactly. And then like I got that job, first job out of college after like a year and I was so excited about it. And then it was really hard. Mm -hmm. Like it was tough. And so even after that, there was this big crisis of like, man, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe that wasn't it. Maybe that, maybe I'm not supposed to do this, but then it kind of ended up continuing to push in that direction. So it's something that's circled back around for me several different times. It's interesting to talk about our perception of what calling is and how do we figure out what God wants us to do? It's helpful for me to stop down and be like, okay, what is calling not? (laughs) It's helpful to know it's not actually this, even though we kind of think it is, we've been told it is. Calling, I think it's important to recognize, doesn't necessarily equal your career. Yes. I think that's a big one. And that's why there's so much pressure on this career thing. Calling can be bigger than that. One of my friends talks about this a lot, that your calling is almost like this bigger purpose that has to do with who you are as a person and the gifts and talents that you have. Mm -hmm. And then under that umbrella of calling, there might be specific different assignments that fit in with that at different times Mm, and different seasons. And I think that's a helpful way for me to look at it instead of like, I have to have this perfect career. And if it's not magical and wonderful and everything that I, my life doesn't matter. No, that's not what calling is at all. Oh, totally. Yeah. I couldn't agree with this one more. And I think it's a really easy trap for us to fall into. Yeah. And in some ways in our very beginning of this conversation, maybe even we were falling into it Yeah. because as you start asking about our experiences, we immediately start talking about career, our jobs. Yeah. Just, I think in our culture, we just associate the two that's yeah. true. very, very strongly. And I think that gets us into trouble sometimes Yeah, because sometimes you end up in a job that isn't ultimately fulfilling or whatever. And you kind of go, okay, 
this doesn't seem like my thing. Yeah. So what's wrong here? Right. Yeah, what like, am I doing wrong? Right. Yeah. And, and we kind of forget about the fact that there are lots of other ways to apply our calling, lots of other yeah. potential assignments outside of whatever it is that we're doing for work. Yeah. I can say that this does bring up a kind of uncomfortable thing when we start framing it this way. Uh-huh. That can mean that a time of unemployment uh, can be part of a calling. Right. I don't like that. No, same. <laughs> I don't like thinking that way. And I know that that is very much true, but I would have a hard time saying to myself, I'm living out my calling yeah. in this time where I don't have a job that's making money. Right. Or say that you that's get hard. into a career and you spend lots of time on it, maybe 10 plus years, 20 years, right? And then you get laid off yeah. or yeah. Uh, something changes and you have to go a completely different direction. Yeah. Uh, if, if calling is completely and totally tied to whatever it is that we're doing in our career, and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, that goes away, yeah. then it feels like the earth just crumbled away beneath you and what's exactly. left at that point, right? You become kind of a stateless person here. Right. So yeah. I think even if you have a job where you feel like it is a central part of your calling, if you feel like that's the only thing that you're doing that's related to your calling, that's probably kind of dangerous because if mm. that disappears for any reason, whether by choice or something outside of your control, there's not going to be much left when that erodes away. And yeah. there yeah. really probably ought to be more to what we're doing with our lives than just what we're doing at work. Absolutely. And I think for me, this has come into focus since I've gotten married, helping my husband process and walk through this journey of what am I supposed to do? And it's hit me that I have lived very privileged in this manner. I've had job struggles. I've worked some jobs that I did not like for sure. But currently, I'm in a job that I do enjoy. And I've realized from conversations I've had with my husband, that is not always the case. Right, And that's really hard to walk someone you love through that when they're like, why can't I get a job that I like? What am I doing wrong? And it's really hard for me sometimes to sit there and be like, yeah, why is that? Why is this such a struggle for so many people? Part of the reason is that we think if I'm called to something, it means it's going to be fun and easy in this dream job. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunately not necessarily the case. Kind of sucks. <laughs> right, but right. I think it's also helpful if you're kind of stuck in that place that that's not useless. You can still have a calling if you're in a job that you don't like. There's still purpose in that, but it's still really hard. Yeah, I think this extends beyond just the conversation of calling, but it's kind of this general thing we apply as Christians all over the place. Even though I know intellectually, if you read scripture, like it's very clear that we're going to face challenges. Even though I know all of that, I still have this underlying expectation Mm -hmm. that generally things are going to go well for me. Right. And if they're not going well, then something is wrong. Yeah. Like I'm out of the will of God. I'm out of my calling. Right. Right. And, And so if I'm at a job that doesn't feel fun or fulfilling at any given time, then I start to question like, okay, maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe something's wrong here. Mm -hmm. And why do I automatically have that assumption? Like just because I'm at a job that's hard, I don't think there's anything that I know of that would really say like, well, this may not be what God wants you to be doing then. Right. If (laughs) if anything, it's probably almost the opposite. Yeah. Like if it's hard, maybe that is where God wants me to be. Like, uh, and that's hard Mm -hmm. to face. That's not easy. No, I'm not trying to trivialize that at all. But I I do think it's a really important point because I I definitely am guilty of making that assumption that like, well, if you're in your calling, that means Mm -hmm. it's something that you should be enjoying and should be really having a lot of fun with right now. Exactly. One of our coworkers was talking about an experience pretty recently where he was kind of mentoring someone. And they were saying, I just I want to find what God's call is for my life. But they're kind of thinking about that as this future kind of thing. I'm not Mm -hmm. there yet. I want to figure out what it is. 
I feel like I'm stuck where I'm at right now and I don't really like what I'm doing right now. And his whole point to him was just because you feel stuck and you don't like what you're doing. And I'm not saying you have to stay there forever, but that doesn't mean that where you're at right now isn't part of your calling. Yeah. Right. Like it may be an assignment like you were talking about. Maybe it's not the assignment for forever. Yes. But it may be the assignment for right now. And just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not part of that Mm -hmm. calling umbrella. It makes me think about Moses leaving Egypt initially and spending a ton of time herding sheep in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I don't like to dwell on the non-glamorous part of Moses's story where he's Mm -hmm. not leading hundreds of thousands of people in exodus of Egypt and out of oppression. It's he's sitting in a field for about 12 hours in a day and then Mm -hmm. coming home and doing other stuff. For like decades. Decades. Yeah. And if anyone had looked at Moses during that time, he would have looked like a burnout sheep herder guy who right. used, someone saying that he used to be in Egypt. OK, whatever. He's kind of weird. <laughs> like that was part of his calling. Yeah. Preparing him for something. But we don't look at that. Our mm. modern version of that might be like, oh, he graduated and he's he's working at Arby's right now. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, really, yeah, though, yeah, like, yeah. We, it's true. That, OK, yeah. are we saying that you're calling big quotes here has to be a glamorous job where you instantly land in a nonprofit. You serve homeless people and you're the most selfless person ever. And no. then and then you go on to be the president. That's not how that works. No. So right. Historically, God doesn't do that. We don't yeah. see that. Yeah, I can think of other characters in the Bible like David, too. Like he was anointed king when he was a kid. And then God was like, OK, now go be with the sheep again. Yeah. And for years and years, <laughs> he had to be like he was stuck with the sheep. And then the guy that was not supposed to be king tried to kill him several times. And then there was all that yeah. junk. So It's a hard reality to swallow, honestly. I don't like that, especially when I'm seeing people I love suffer in those places. Yeah, and you can't just go to someone who is in the middle of that and be like, it's all right. This is part of your calling, so you're good. It's fine. Right. Stop complaining. Yeah, yeah, it's not not. like that at all. And it's easy for someone to say who's not in that place. Yes. Right. And so we have to be really, really careful with that. Because we don't want to trivialize the fact that it's hard and challenging and difficult and all of those things. Ideally, we want it to be a hope giving message yes. right yeah. that yes. says no this can still be redeemed right yeah. there's still hope here yeah. in the midst of what seems really hard mm. and yeah. i think part of communicating that hope and optimism to someone is also sitting with them in the hard stuff and yeah. Yeah. being willing to say yeah you're right the suffering is no fun right being right. part of a company that you don't align well with or having a job mm. that you don't love that's no fun nobody likes that yeah. and, no. and being willing to sit in the acknowledgement of that with someone is a really important step to be right. able yeah. to communicate hope to them so i think that's important to remember if you're yeah. walking through this with someone yeah empathy yeah. is the first step right. before you move on to let me give you perspective first right. you have to empathize right and sit with them in the pain for a while. So we've talked about what calling isn't. Let's talk about, okay, well, if it's not this magical like bullseye thing that we have to figure out, (laughs) you know, this maze or this tightrope or whatever, then what is it? What has God told us that is in his word that's really obvious? Like, Mm -hmm. hey, I've actually called you to this. I just went through and pulled off the top of my head just some really quick ones. I know there's more than this. One is to experience his love fully. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. that's his will for us to love each other. Obviously everyone knows that's kind of the Sunday school answer, but it's true. That's God's (laughs) will for us. Gratitude is a big thing that comes up a lot. God wants us to do good, which is part of loving each other. He has called us to peace. He's called us to worship and 
actually there's a number of verses like we were talking about a little bit ago actually has called us to suffer, which sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But those are a number of things that I think it's helpful to go, okay, if I'm in a season where I don't know what I'm doing, I don't know what direction, I don't know where these things are going and it feels like my life doesn't matter. What do I know Mm, about what God wants for me? I Um, think that's so important to have as a baseline to fall back on, to have that knowledge of scripture and understanding of what God has called us to, because calling so often can feel so confusing and challenging. It feels like there's a lot we don't know. There is. And and that's probably the single most frustrating thing I feel like about the subject of calling is feeling like there's something that God knows that I don't and I need to try to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Right. And and he hasn't maybe revealed those things to us specifically that we wish he did. Yep. Yeah. But I think it's important to remember that there are things he has revealed to us. Yeah. yeah. And if he has revealed these things to us, they must be important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right. so it can sound trite. Yeah. But I really think like coming back to these things is really important. Again, we have to be careful how we deliver this to people. But I think there's also a reason that this stuff is in scripture and is Mm -hmm. communicated to us because it's stuff that we need to know. Yeah. In a way, it gives purpose to some of that aimless time in the desert that we spend. It gives that time a purpose. Can you do these things while you're herding sheep? Yes. You can still be thankful. Like it's hard. Yeah. But you can. You can love others. You can worship. You can experience this love. Like none of those things are dependent on a job that fits a certain description. And I think that's going to call for a big change in how we approach the entire subject of career and job as believers. Because a lot of the times we tell these stories about it's kind of the underdog story of like, you know, during this time I was doing this and working at McDonald's. And then once I did this right, like they yeah. gave the image of like, right. once I got my life right, mm. I work here now. One and, of the dangers of these stories we were talking about of like Moses and David is there could be this line of thinking that says, all right, well, all mm. right, I am doing this thing for now, but someday the like big glamorous thing will come. Right. And that's not necessarily promised that right. happened for Moses, but that didn't happen for everyone. Yeah. Rather than focusing too much on this like potential future, who knows what that's going to mm. look like. We've got to focus on where am I right now? Where has God placed me right now? What is my assignment right now? Right. And how can I follow God's will for my life in these areas Mm. that Kara just mentioned Mm -hmm. in the midst of my current assignment? We kind of have to focus on that. And that's so hard because it requires so much trust. to know that God is still able to use you, right? I think that's the hope for me in this discussion that I keep coming back to and that I've seen through my story is there's so many times where I've been in a panic and overwhelmed because I'm like, I have to figure this out. And I really like how Kevin DeYoung says this and he's written a book called Just Do Something. He said, does God have a secret will of direction that he expects us to figure out before we do anything? No. Yes, God has a specific plan for our life. And yes, we can be assured that he's working it out for our good. And yes, sometimes looking back, Mm -hmm. we'll be able to see that God's hand was there bringing us to where we are. But right now, in this very moment, we're free to ask God for wisdom, but he doesn't burden us with the task of figuring out his will of direction ahead of time. As you're talking about that, Kara, I can't help but think about God's relationship to us compared to a parent-child relationship. Mm. I think about my daughters, A.V. and Arwen. Mm -hmm. They both have really different expectations right now about 
the amount of information that I give them about their future. Right. (laughs) Okay. My daughter Arwen is four. She's still a preschooler. She's still kind of in this like fly by the seat of her pants kind of mode. That's just how she lives her entire life. Yeah. And in some ways it's actually really enviable. I think as an adult, right? Right. She gets up in the morning. She literally most of the time has no idea what's going to happen that day (laughs) at all. Yep. So she gets up and maybe we say, Hey, it's a day to go to preschool. Okay, cool. Other days we say, Hey, it's not a day to go to preschool. All right. Now it's time (laughs) to eat breakfast. Now it's time to eat lunch. Now we're going to go to Walmart for a minute. Now we're going to go do that. And everything that we tell her is like a surprise. (laughs) Can you imagine living your life that way? It would be kind of overwhelming. Yeah, Yeah. I think it would. And yet she kind of just seems to roll with it most of the time. That's cool. My daughter, Avi, is in second grade. She's seven years old. She has now kind of outgrown that phase Mm, a little bit. She can no longer live that way where everything is moment by moment, which I totally understand. I have some sympathy for that. She really wants to know what's going to happen next. right? So when we get up in the morning, we have to kind of give her a daily digest of like, here's what to expect today. Oh, wow. And then when we put her to bed at night, we actually what we call do the days right before (laughs) we say our prayer. We have to tell her the next three days. Here's what's going to happen. Right. Tomorrow we go to school and then it's Wednesday night. So we go to church and then on Thursday, you're going to go to school. This is your special class. After school, we have this special thing that we need to do. And then we're going to eat dinner with these people. And then we're going to be up a little like so we lay it all out for her as much as we can. Right. Because it helps her feel a little more secure to kind of know a little bit what's coming. Yeah. The thing is, we can't always tell her everything. And occasionally surprises still come up. Right. Yes. And we run into trouble with this with her. She gets home from school and we go, hey, we have to call an audible. Arwen's sick. We got to go to the doctor. We got to do this thing, you know, whatever it may be. And she's like, but that's not what you said was going to happen. We just violated her (laughs) trust in us because we called an audible. Right. Oh, wow. And the thing is, as her parents, it's on us to make these decisions based on whatever is happening at any given moment. Yeah. And sometimes things change. We have a long term perspective that she just Mm. can't have. Right. And so we have knowledge of things and understanding of how stuff works that she doesn't know. And so it's not always appropriate for us to tell her everything yeah, because the plans might change or because maybe it's just not good for her to know something super far in advance. Yeah. Honestly, there are times where we're going to do something really fun, maybe on the weekend and it's currently Tuesday. Yeah. And we know that if we tell her that the fun thing is coming on Saturday, she's going to spend the rest of the week whining about how it's not Saturday. (laughs) Right. Right. That's what she's going to do. And so instead of telling her about the fun thing that's coming Saturday, we hold it until Friday. Right. And then we reveal it to her and say, hey, right. fun things coming tomorrow. And she goes, yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Right. Yeah. I kind of think in some ways our relationship with God is very much like this. Yeah. God has this long term perspective that we simply cannot have. He views the world at a different angle yeah. than we do. To me, it's like this metaphor of like being in New York City, right? And you're down on the ground level mm. and all you can see is down the street. You can't see everything because there's these big, huge buildings blocking the way. You right. can't mm. see around the corner to see what's there. But if God has this like helicopter bird's eye view mm-hmm. of yeah. Manhattan, he can see all of that, right? He sees mm. the big picture. He knows what's around the corner. He knows there's that really great hot dog stand right around the building there yeah (laughs) and you're gonna get to it eventually you just can't see it yet Mm. when we keep that kind of metaphor in mind or when we understand a parent-child relationship it makes us so much more able to digest 
yeah. those moments where we don't see everything yeah. because we have this understanding that God does. Yeah. That's when I think this is the hardest is when we lose that perspective yeah. mm. and we go, I can't see anything. I'm groping around in the dark and our conclusion must be, therefore, God doesn't care. Right. Yes. Right. right. Like, when we get to that point, this gets really, really tough. I can't see anything. And either God doesn't see anything either, or he does. And he's just not sharing it with me. Right. And that's just mean. Yeah. Right. Like, cause that's how we feel sometimes. And that's probably how your daughter feels sometimes right. when exactly. you like change it up on her. And she's like, well, that's mean. But probably the older she gets, the more she will trust you in those things. Cause she knows like, well, dad did this once to me before and it yeah. ended up okay. Right. And like, the crazy thing is that we consciously know this guys. Right. But I promise you that tomorrow, uh-huh. tomorrow, oh yeah, if Sean, wonderful boss man, Sean walks in and goes, Isaac, we got to let you go. Oh. I'm going to go out and kick rocks and be like, I thought this was the plan. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be totally. mad at God and I'm going to forget this whole conversation oh, because yeah. that's exactly what happens when we're doing the groping around in the dark thing. Exactly. We just almost disassociate from this person who <laughs> understands God yeah. and we become this like martyr for ourselves of why is just God punishing me right now? Yes. And it's so hard. Right. It's and so, I, so hard. I think it kind of comes back to this point that we are just not good at dealing with adversity. And so yeah. like, we're not. Just, right. And we need God's help to navigate those mm, things. For sure. Yeah. And it's the same thing in a parent-child relationship. There are times where I have to allow my children to walk through things that are not enjoyable. Mm. Because, again, I have that long-term perspective. I understand that adversity or even suffering allows for growth. And so there are times where I'm like, all right, this is not going to be a fun thing that you have to do right, right. now. Mm-hmm. I still love you. I want the best for you. I ultimately want you to be happy and joyful. Right. And I know that the best way to make that happen is to go this route instead of this route, right? Mm. Like my daughter, if she had her way, she would eat potato chips and nothing else for the rest of her <laughs> Same. life. Yeah, right? exactly. And that's all Same. she would do is just eat potato chips. Yeah. I know, long-term perspective, <laughs> eating nothing but potato chips for the rest of her life is going to have some really bad effects down the road yeah. that she can't possibly imagine. No. Right? right. I mean, all she's thinking about is like, it's salty, it tastes good, yeah. kind of like it. You're telling me it's unhealthy. I don't really have any way to quantify <laughs> right. that. Like, right. What, is that right. what does that even mean, right? Yeah. Well, if you literally ate nothing but potato chips in 20 years, you'd probably die. It's actually really serious. It sounds like a joke, but it's not it's actually right, a joke. Yeah. Like you can't literally only eat <laughs> potato chips. Right. I know that having to eat vegetables, she might find that to be suffering. Yeah. Uh, adversity. Yeah. yeah. But I know that ultimately growth and good comes from that thing. It's the same thing for us. When that adversity strikes, we're not, we lose our minds yeah. because we just yeah. don't have that long-term perspective. Yeah. But if occasionally we can recall those times before where we've had mm. to walk through adversity and suffering and we mm-hmm. go, God brought me through that and maybe even made me better from it. Yeah. When we have those examples in our own lives or in the lives of others, maybe some small part of us can kind of tap into that again yes. and say, yeah. I can have faith that God can do this for me again. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's hard, even though I still don't like it, all that stuff is still there. Absolutely. Right? I still don't like to eat my veggies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I know now that my dad wants my mm. best. Right. Yeah. And I can trust him. That's called faith. And, For sure. And yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> I, I as strong yeah. as we wish it yeah. was. Right. But that's what these experiences are doing. They're yeah. building, They're building that. And I think it's important to note, like, it's okay for it to still be painful. Like, yes. it's okay for mm-hmm. you to feel the pain and acknowledge. We're not saying 
oh, you just have to like totally accept this. And God, as your parent in heaven, is not surprised when you react poorly right. to the plan being yeah. derailed. He's, yeah. yeah. God isn't going to clutch his pearls and go, oh, why is he mad? <laughs> why, I, 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 I got fired and he's mad at me why now. Why is he what? mad? I didn't see this coming. Like, <laughs> God created everything. He expects he you to be mad he when knows. things don't go your way. It's and okay. He, and he knows and he cares enough to put things in the Bible like this, just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort right. overflows. Mm-hmm. Just as you, a parent, Anson, would say, I know you got to do this hard thing. You got to get a shot. I'm so sorry. But yeah. as soon as it's over, you're going to let her come get a hug. Yeah. I know that hurt. That was rough. Come sit here and let's get through this together. Right. Now it is time for our on-repeat song of this week, and I've got to be honest, the top song, according to the Real FM Insiders this week, was Time by NF. Uh-huh. We've already done one NF song, <laughs> and NF is just hogging the spotlight. That's right. <laughs> He's actually the first artist on Real FM to ever have multiple songs in our top five at the same time. Wow. Right? And honestly, if we played like four other NF songs, he'd probably just have all of the Exactly, spots. yeah. But we're going to share, okay? <laughs> we're not real FM NF radio. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Going to make NF share with some other people. Yeah. This song was also very, very near the top of our list. It was second. This is No Shame. 10th Avenue North and the Young Escape. No I'm so free, it feels like a steal. I'm so free, I ain't scared of the sea. No I can look like a fool and enjoy it. I can cry like a man and a this one kind of came out of nowhere for me. I just found it as I was scrolling through new releases one day, and it's not a song many radio stations are playing. But mm. the first time I heard it, I instantly was like, I think this is a song that we need to play. Yeah. Mm. And part of it is I like the hook. I like the sound of the song. I think it's a good sounding song. But more than that was definitely the lyrics to this song. Oh, yeah. I instantly like heard the song and was like, this is a message that is going to resonate with people. Yeah. Mm. And I think it really, really has. This idea of shame is mm-hmm. something that we've talked about on the show before. Right. I know Kara in particular, you're yeah. really passionate about this subject yeah. and what shame does to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we all experience it in different ways. This is like a human condition that we all get stuck in at times. 10th Avenue North, these guys, anything they write for me, 10th mm-hmm. Avenue North is kind of like NF. I'm just like, how did you tap into my experience so accurately? This is a great song. One verse in particular I was just looking at was, I look in your eyes full of tenderness and it doesn't make sense. You see me just as I am and I'm never too much. And I, I really love that because that in particular is one of the things I often feel ashamed of is I'm too much for people. I can't bring all mm. of myself. Yeah to the table it's going to be too much so that's just one line in particular that i love in this song yeah something that i hugely identify with in here is the i'm so free i feel like i'm stealing i'm so free i ain't scared of the ceiling that has been the place where i've finally come to and this is a very very recent development in my spiritual life just acknowledging very very flawed still deserving (laughs) of grace and Mm. still receiving god's grace daily Mm. like i have had that preached to me my entire life yeah but it's like one day i sat in the correct context and it just like really washed over me of Mm. oh man that's cool and it's Mm -hmm. been very different ever since that moment of that switch going off Mm. and this song kind of encapsulates that perfectly and i I I think that's what's cool about this song is it's talking about this universally felt thing right shame 
But then the way that both 10th Avenue North and the Young Escape then describe how that plays out yeah. is different, kind of in different verses and different areas of the song. Mm. And I think it gives different people different areas to relate to because we yeah. all experience this in slightly different ways. Yeah. The yeah. one that stands out to me, for example, is I can look like a fool and yeah. enjoy it. I can mm. cry like a man and I own it. I have always been exceedingly self-conscious. Yeah. Mm. Like, that's something that I've struggled with for a long, long time. I've always been really reticent to dance in front of people, mm. to be silly in front of people, to just kind of let loose in front of people and be who I really am because yeah. I'm not sure that that's what they want. Looking like a fool and enjoying it is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> I'm like, no, I have no interest uh, in looking no. like a fool ever. <laughs> yeah. How can I enjoy that? Mm. Right. And that's what beating shame looks like for me. Yeah. It's a really cool song because because it's simultaneously about this universal experience, but something that we all deal with in slightly different permutations. All right. And that's a wrap for episode three of season five. And uh, yeah, talked all about calling and making decisions. And if you're still kind of like, okay, that's great, but I still have to make a decision. I still don't know <laughs> yeah. what to do with Isn't my that life. Like the hardest part of all of this? It is. I, I feel like, like we can talk about it until we're blue in the face, but then yeah. you're kind of like, cool. okay, but what do I do? Right? <laughs> you know? yeah. Yes. And we've all been there. And so I think the biggest thing, if we could leave you with one thing today, it would be take the next step. Don't try to focus on the next 10 steps. Just do the next right thing. And from Emily P. Freeman's book called The Next Right Thing, which is a great resource in this place right now. She says, as you take your next right step today, trust that God won't let you miss your own future. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Catch Afternoons with Anson and Kara from 3 to 7 p.m. live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.